But uh, today we are continuing to talk about Jesus, and uh, it, it's it's uh, we we talked a lot about living the lifestyle lately, and I, and I want to kind of back it up a little bit, and I want to talk about some foundational beliefs of of, of Christ, of, of of what not of Christ, but of what we believe as Christians. Uh, it's the very very foundational stuff, and I try to be not. You know, y'all know that every now and then I'll get a little bit emotional. Y'all know very often I'll get passionate up here when I'm preaching. I try my best not to be melodramatic, and I try not to be overly uh, sensationalized in some in the things that I say up here. But the statement that I'm about to make is one that I believe that I can make with 100% certainty. And that statement is this. The most important question that you will ever ask yourselves in your lifetime is this. Who is Jesus? The most important question you will ever ask in your lifetime is this. Who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, you would think <clears throat> that in a Christian church, most of us would know who Jesus is, right? Maybe, maybe we do, maybe we don't. I don't know the hearts of anybody in here. Uh, but I think that a lot of folks would be very surprised to learn that many people in our church, churches, really don't know the real Jesus. That percentage, of course, increases dramatically among the unchurched. I'll tell you this story. There was, there was a large church in Ohio one time, and the church's media producer uh, kind of went to the streets to capture some video footage for, the, for, their, for their upcoming service. And what he did is he approached a number of people on the streets and he asked them that question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Here's some of the... Keep in mind, he's not inside a church at the time asking these questions. He's out in the public. And he just videotaped them, asked them that one question. Who is Jesus? Here's some of the responses that he got. First one. Who is Jesus? The person responds, well, there's all kind of fables out there. Some have been proven, some haven't. There's another answer. Jesus was a good guy. He was trying to do good, but he was just an ordinary man. Another one. I don't believe that Jesus is God. Another one. Oh, I don't want to answer that question. Another one. Oh, he was a good teacher, and he was a good prophet. And the last one I'm going to give to you, which was probably my favorite, who is Jesus? Oh, Lord. So he got a pretty wide range of responses when, the, when he went out and did this, and clearly that question made a lot of people, at least some people, pretty uncomfortable. Well, I also asked the same question yesterday to our church on our uh, Facebook uh, group, our church Facebook group. I posed a question to our church. I threw it out there. I said, in your own words, uh, who do you say Jesus is? And several people responded. Here's what some of our church members responded. Jesus is my protector. He is my miracle maker. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus is my friend that I talk to even when I, no one's around. Jesus is the great I am. He is our Lord and Savior. So I'm proud of you, church. Y'all did very well actually responding to those. A lot better than the folks on the street did. But people have been asking this question for 2,000 years, folks. Jesus himself ex asked the exact same question of his own disciples. And we get that story in the Gospels. It's in a couple places in the Gospels, actually. But I'm just going to read you a couple of verses out of Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 20 for our scripture this morning. And this is where Jesus actually asked his disciples, the guys who have been following him for a long time by this point, who do you say I am? Who am I? So starting in verse 18, <coughs> excuse me, Luke 9, 
Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And the disciples replied, some say you're John the Baptist, others say that you're Elijah. Still others say that you're one of the prophets of long ago who's come back to life. To the disciples, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And then Peter responded, you are God's Messiah. That's the word of God for the people of God. Now check this out. By the time Jesus asked this question of his disciples, they had been traveling around with him for about 18 months at this point. About 18 months, yet still, most of them still could not identify Christ as the Son of God. They couldn't identify him as the Messiah. Jesus was their rabbi. He was, he was their teacher. Let me tell you a little bit about rabbis and teachers back then. In Jewish culture of that time, being a rabbi was a pretty big deal. It's actually a really big deal. It was a really big deal uh, for disciples or for followers to be asked to follow a rabbi, uh, just as Jesus initially chose his followers. So what would happen is they would have followed Jesus very, very, very closely. They would have been taken in, and they would have been soaking up every bit of wisdom and every bit of knowledge that he would have had to offer to them. Wherever Christ went, they went. Wherever Christ ate, they ate. Wherever he slept, they slept. They saw him perform miracles, and they experienced the power of Christ actually working through them as they went about healing people and exercising demons. Yet they were still, 18 months later, challenged to make the decision to answer this question about Jesus' identity. And to the best of our knowledge anyway, Peter was the only one who gave the right answer. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he the Son of God? Is he the promised Messiah? Is he literally God in human form? as we have professed as a Christian tradition for over 2,000 years. I want you to kind of think about that. Who do you really think Jesus is? And then we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about some pushback that the church gets on this idea, this foundational doctrine, this foundational theology that Christ is the Messiah. I want to point out just a few things for you guys to consider in case you struggle to answer this question affirmatively. Christ is God in human form, that he is the Messiah, that he literally lived, that he literally taught, that he literally died, that he literally was resurrected from the dead. First and foremost, number one, there is not a single person in, the, in history who has had more of an impact on the world than Jesus Christ. And I feel very confident making that statement. If there's anybody today who might think that Jesus was a myth, that he wasn't a real person. Take a look at this. Our own calendar system says otherwise. The way that we have dated time doesn't just provide some evidence of the historical Jesus. It also indicates how deeply the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ have made history. What year are we in? We are in the year 2023 A.D. 2023 A.D. A.D. is a Latin abbreviation for the phrase, in the year of our Lord. And it denotes the time period after the birth of Jesus. The time period prior to the birth of Jesus is referred to as B.C. 
which literally means before Christ. Something was so incredibly powerful, something was so incredibly special about Jesus that it led the entire world to the way that we keep track of time today. Some people have tried to refute the actual existence of Jesus by saying, well, you can't use the Bible to prove the Bible, right? And that kind of makes a little bit of sense, actually, on the surface. It's a, that's, a, that's a pretty fair statement on the surface. You can't use the Bible to prove the Bible, but the problem with that argument is that there are multiple, numerous historical sources that speak to the reality and the physical existence of Jesus. Let me give you just a couple of those here. A major example, a major example was this Jewish historian by the name of Josephus. And this guy mentioned Jesus and what he referred to as Jesus' quote, cult-like followers in a book that he wrote called Jewish Antiquities. Another historian, historian this guy uh, uh, who was of Roman descent, uh, his, name, his name was Tacitus, he referred to Jesus and he referred to Emperor Nero's persecution of Christians in some of his writings that were penned around the year 115. We also know of a Roman governor around the, one, around the year 112 who wrote to the emperor of the time to inquire about how to persecute or how to conduct legal proceedings against Jesus followers. And incidentally, that same governor also noted in that letter that Christians at the time would sing Jesus' hymns referring to him as if they were singing to a god. Well, they were singing to a god. Sacred texts of other religions even reference Jesus, including the Quran, which is the primary text of the Muslim religion. That text also affirms Jesus' virgin birth, it affirms his miracles, and it affirms his healing. So there's a look at some, just, a, just a brief look. You could go on and on and on and on with this stuff to, uh, that talks about the historic, historicity of the reality of the physical Jesus who literally was here physically, not a myth. Many, many, many famous skeptics over the years have had their lives turned absolutely up, upside down when they've come face to face with Christ, when they have had an experience with Jesus Christ. Most of y'all, I am sure, at some point in your, or another in your life have heard of a man by the name of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a very famous author in the early 20th century. If you uh, remember from grade school, he was the author of the Chronicles of Narnia series. Um, but he was a very devout atheist. A very devout atheist. Very outspoken about his atheism until he came face to face with Jesus. And by the way, a gentleman, another author of the time by the name of J.R.R. Tolkien was the person who led him to Christ. So Lewis was converted and ultimately he came, became a major outspoken person, an outspoken author on the subject of Christianity. This is one of the books that he wrote. It's probably the most famous Christian book that he ever wrote. It's called Mere Christianity. And it, had, it, it immediately became a Christian classic once it was published and it remains a very very popular book even to this day helping helping to form theologians uh, Christians across the globe it's it still a, remains a very very popular book one example of a, of a very who what was a very devout atheist having this experience of God whose life was absolutely just turned upside down 
Another guy uh, in our own time was a guy by the name of Lee Strobel. Y'all heard, you ever heard of Lee Strobel? Uh, yeah. So Lee Strobel was a guy. He was an attorney by trade, but he was also an investigative reporter with the Chicago Tribune. And Strobel's, Lee Strobel's wife had had a conversion experience. And, and uh, after, he, after he witnessed this, he, he, he witnessed how her life had just been turned upside down and how much had changed about her after, after she had converted to Christianity. So what he did is he used his skills as what he decided he was going to do. He's going to use his skills as a lawyer, and he was going to use his skills as an investigative journey, uh, as investigative journalist, to go out and, and to do some in-depth research. He did it for like two years uh, on the existence of Christ, on the, on the reality of Christ. So he did this for two years. Now, what happened to Lee Strobel? By the way, who was an atheist? I don't know if I mentioned that or not. During the process of, two, of these two years, <clears throat> of, of, of researching, of learning about <clears throat> the historical Jesus and about the Christian religion, Lee Strobel was converted. Lee Strobel had an interaction with Jesus and is now a very, very devout Christian. Y'all may have heard of his most famous book. Kevin just said it. It's called The Case for Christ. And there was an actually a, a movie that was put out several years ago by the same title that was based on that book. What about, those, what about those who say that science disproves the existence of God or that science disproves the existence of Jesus or this idea that Christianity and science are incompatible? I'm going to show you a video in just a second of this guy. But what I want you to do, if you're really interested in the subject, because this is a really, really cool subject, I want you to go home, and I want you to research, and I want you to Google this guy called Dr. Francis Collins. Dr. Francis Collins. If you've ever heard of the Human Genome Project, Dr. Collins was head of the Human Genome Project. He is a very, 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 very well-respected scientist who was also an atheist for a very, very long time. Today, he is a devout follower of Christ. And he remains a scientist, and he and he and he lives in these two worlds, and and talks about how God acts through science, and how the realities of science and nature and creation not disprove God, but reveal the glory and and the and the hugeness of who God is. Take a look at this video. This is this is about a three or four minute video. <clears throat> where Dr. Collins in the home where I grew up, faith was not something that was talked about very much. My father was a professor of drama. My mother was a playwright. When I went to college and those discussions in the dorm late at night about religion began to occur, I found no reason to attach value to a faith worldview. I assumed that any religious feelings that anyone held must be on the basis of some emotional experience, and I didn't trust those, or on the basis of some childhood indoctrination, which I felt I was fortunate to have missed. In medical school, I loved the experience of learning about the human body and all of its complexities. And I particularly loved being introduced to genetics. But then I moved on to the clinical training portion, learning to take care of patients with real diseases. This was no longer an abstract study of molecules and organ systems. These were real people with real suffering. One afternoon, I was with one of my patients, a wonderful woman, much like a grandmother, she had very bad heart disease. She had a particularly bad episode of chest pain while I was with her. 
She got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith in Jesus was the thing that helped her in that situation. She realized that the doctors around her weren't really able to give her that much help, but her faith was. And after she finished her own very personal description of that faith, she turned to me. I had been silent. She looked at me quizzically, and then she asked, What do you believe, doctor? I was stunned. I said I didn't really know. Her question had made me realize that as an atheist, I had arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with. Is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. I was supposed to be a scientist. If there's one thing scientists claim they do, is to arrive at conclusions based upon evidence. And I hadn't taken the trouble to do that. So I was determined to search for evidence. I was greatly assisted by a pastor who lived down the road, who tolerated my blasphemous questions, and gave me a copy of C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, Mere Christianity. Here was an Oxford scholar, a prodigiously developed intellect, who had traveled the same path. Within those pages, I realized for the first time that one can come to belief on a rational basis. In fact, I soon discovered that there are many pointers towards a creator that come from science itself. The universe had a beginning. It follows elegant mathematical laws. And it is fine-tuned by the way all those constants that determine the behavior of matter and energy seem to have been set just in a certain very precise range to make life possible. As I searched for more evidence of what God must be like, I encountered the person of Jesus Christ. I was amazed to discover how much we know about his life. I had thought that Christ was as much myth as history. As I studied more, I learned there is a great deal of evidence for his teachings, and even for his having risen literally from the dead. The evidence was compelling, and it demanded a decision. That day at my patient's bedside started a journey for me, a journey that I was reluctant to begin, but I felt I needed to. It was a journey that I thought would result in strengthening my atheism, <laughs> but to my surprise, resulted in my conversion. I am now a follower of Jesus. How cool is that? <clears throat> and I don't know if I don't know if he mentioned. I don't think I don't think he made this direct statement in that video. But he said, you know, part of being a scientist, as we all know, is, is coming to the most rational of conclusions. So he says, I heard him say one time, after doing all this, after going through this process, all this research, I came to the conclusion that the existence of God was the most rational conclusion that there was. And he's absolutely right. I was just watching it just then, you know, and, 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 and you think about how detailed the universe is, how all of these little things work so well together. Uh, to, to, for, for creation and, and just have to be so precise they just had to be so precise how could there not be an intelligent form beyond behind the creation of man so this guy is pretty great man and, I, and, I, and, and some of it get pretty deep pretty intellectual um, but I encourage y'all to, to check out some of the stuff that he has to say just really really neat stuff uh, responding to this question you know who is Jesus this isn't just an intellectual affirmation it's, it's not just an intellectual or, or, or a head Affirmation. We've talked about this before. It's all. It's it's a heart. It's a heart affirmation. It's a spiritual affirmation, and it's also about a whole life 
commitment, which is basically what we've been talking about for the last several weeks, a whole life commitment to Jesus. It means that we acknowledge and that we completely embrace the fact that Jesus was both fully human, that he was both also fully man, fully divine. We acknowledge that in his human form, we realize this, in, in his human form, Christ proved to us that God was not an unconcerned or a detached entity, but he is a God who chose to enter directly into the human condition. He is a God who loves us deeply, even to the point of dying voluntarily on a cross. So when we confess that Jesus is Lord, when we confess that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, we commit to follow him. We commit to follow him, walking in the footsteps of our rabbi, just as those early disciples did, our teacher. What he values, we value. What he thinks about God, we think about God. What he thinks about people, we think about people. We act like our rabbi. We talk like our rabbi. We love like our rabbi, and we give up our lives for our rabbi's mission, which I hope everyone in the church knows by now, to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is his mission, and that is our mission. Who is Jesus? One of the church's most ancient creeds, one of the church's most ancient statements of faith, is one that we generally say most Sundays here at Venus United Methodist, we call it the Apostles' Creed. And it gives us in no uncertain terms the absolute foundation on which we have stood with other Christians for over two millennia. Bob, can you pull up the Apostles' Creed real quick? This is the foundation on which we stand, our beliefs about who Christ was only Son of God, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and thence he shall come to judge the quick and the living and the dead. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much reality of your son Jesus Christ God we, it, it's hard for us to fathom God we, we can acknowledge this stuff in our, in our heads but when we really really start to meditate on it God it's, it's, it's overwhelming it's absolutely overwhelming God the, the, the supernatural aspects that are, so, that are behind salvation that are behind the, uh, the reality and the presence of Christ who has always been with us help us to always help us God to always as Christians answer that question affirmatively. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God in human form. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Savior God and we pray for those who may not know Christ that they might begin that journey towards, towards, towards him. Lord. We ask that you would pull those, pull, pull those folks who struggle closer to you God, encourage them and show them the path. Thank you so much for this morning Lord. We just ask and we, and we give you all this praise Christ our Lord, amen.